folks, thank you for uh, checking in today. I'm very, very excited to have Aaron Vogel on here with me. Um, he was on the podcast recently this spring, longtime customer. Tons of respect for Aaron and his partners and their team down at District Donuts in New Orleans, as well as Vegas. Uh, Aaron, thanks, man, for taking the time to catch up today. Yeah, man. Glad to be on. Glad to be on. Uh, so I said District Donuts. I didn't say Seed, but Seed is also uh, part of your uh, group, and you're at Seed right now, which is your, um, is it vegan, vegetarian? Remind yeah, me it's vegan, plant-based restaurant, uh, 100%. So um, date night kind of vibe, really. It's a full-service restaurant, um, sitting in the bar right now. So craft cocktails, just a great menu. Um, so yeah, we, we launched seed in January of 2020, which, you know, perfect timing, right? <laughs> we, we were on a good runway and man, that thing just came crashing. Down. So a, a full service date night place, January of 2020 in new Orleans. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, let's start talking about that, man. Cause we, I mean, I, I want to talk about district of course, and, and, and then some broader stuff, but I mean, What's happened with that? You launched in January. First of all, um, y'all have a cool concept. You have five locations of uh, um, your other concept. Now, why why open a different um, concept? With I mean, very different with Seed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, District's been uh, 2013. We launched District, and uh, like you said. Uh, five locations. Uh, we have five in uh, Louisiana and then we have one in Las Vegas. So six districts overall. And then we started a coffee rose three. And then after that seed uh, came into play. And, and so through an acquaintance, we actually, this seed was launched a few right around district uh, the time it was launched, founded rather. And um, the founder was looking to move on. And so uh, he and I were acquaintances really in the city of New Orleans. Um, and, and most people who are listening are food people. There's definitely a rise, I think, on a national level um, toward the plant-based market and clean eating in, in that regard. And in New Orleans, there are several places, but we, we didn't have a place that was, again, it's a great phrase to say date night kind of spot. And not that you're taking someone on a date, but you know, you're going to a full service experience to, to get a glass of wine or a cocktail before, or you might go there to the bar that's, you know, it's a plant-based bar. Some alcohols are not vegan. Um, so there's some safety here. And then you move on down the road and you might go get a, a steak at a French restaurant, right? Like it's the kind of space that we built out not to be like, hey, we're trying to reach strictly the plant-based community. We're really trying to tell a story about, um, man, how do you, someone who may be plant-based could be a scenario. How do they engage a friend, a family member, an intimate loved one who's like, man, I don't, do that. That's just not my style. And a lot of it has to do with the way the space is built out. A lot of it has to do with, does it have a cocktail menu that's legit? A lot of it has to do with the style of service, the food itself. And so we, we went a little bit of a different direction, I think, than um, you know, a lot of people think when they think about plant-based. Um, the chef we have here uh, was at a prestigious restaurant in the quarter uh, when he came here that was not plant-based. I mean, it's, it's a I mean, it's an awesome restaurant. And, and before that, he was part of a sea, seafood restaurant connected to the Ace Hotel in New Orleans. And so the, the idea was like, man, how do we just create an unbelievable dining experience that's um, built around beautiful space and hospitality? And then, oh, by the way, we happen to be plant-based. Mm. And so it's, it's been a, it's been a, it was a successful venture, I should say, up until COVID. Uh, where we were attracting, I mean, a lot of stories coming through here where people, I talked to personally, like, man, I just like, my wife always 
ate this way kind of, or, but I was always like, nah, I don't do vegetables a lot. And so just give me meat and potatoes. But I came here and, and now their story changes, right? So they get a different impression. So I think like approaching the dining scene, the hospitality scene, the experience scene, and then bring whatever food you're bringing with you, right? Um, so we do donuts as well. And donuts are like, like that's as simple as it gets. And it's as classic as it gets. And it's as old as it gets. And how do you do donuts in a way that's elevated? Donuts are donuts are donuts, right? And true, but man, if you're providing something separate and apart from just the product, then your product can travel through that medium and all of a sudden feels elevated and, and it, it may very well be elevated and it may look more delicious and taste more delicious than it should, but it's also the entire experience. We're, we're just big fans of that. And so we thought that the city of New Orleans needed a plant-based environment that was far more, um, not far more, I should say that is more experiential and uh, is more built out for a, an experience of like, man, maybe intimacy, shared, like, man, quiet, lights right, decor right. And, uh, and it was successful, like when we launched it. So we, we feel like we were heading in the right direction and, and we'll continue, you know, seed's gonna stay open and, and I think it'll, it'll build back out to what we originally intended it to be as well. Well, yeah, we want those kinds of places and we need to be able to go back to places like that and take our friends and loved ones and family and, colleagues and so forth and have those kinds of experiences. I, I want to, um, I want to ask you about something because you, you referenced the word story um, very quickly when you were talking about seed, telling a story. Many of the successful, not just restaurant people, but business people that I, I really admire and relate to, and maybe it's confirmation bias. I don't know, but I really like stories. I like having a, a story for a brand. And I feel like so many of the folks that we serve that have been successful um, prior to this, and I, I suspect will be post COVID or whatever you want to call it. The word story comes up a lot. We have Marijuana Irani from Chaipani on here a week or so ago. He talked about the story they tell. And I hear that a lot. I, tell me why that's so important to build a brand that people can relate to. Why does yeah. the word story come up so quickly when you describe seed? I think story is more about life than it is about the, the object or the thing that you deliver. Um, we all live a story and it's either a good one or it's a bad one. Um, I think about this every day with my kids, like either my kids are thinking dad lives a good story or he doesn't. And mm -hmm. if dad's in front of the TV all day, he's living a bad story. Uh, if dad's neglecting relationship with mom, he's living a bad story. If dad's letting the lawn get out of control and the neighborhood looks great, except our house, he's living a bad story. And so stories are just things we talk about, right? And, and it's, 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 uh, it's something that we're either excited to talk about or it's something that we want to kind of move aside from. And, and so really, I think it comes down to usually my experience is if people are telling great stories in business, um, there's a good chance they're telling a good story in life. Um, you know, when people stop telling good stories in life, but continue to tell great stories in business, these people are usually exposed as people who are telling false tales. Uh, people don't trust them. People don't like them. People are not drawn to them. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a, like, so for me, why story matters, like I'm a huge believer in a personal story being one that is worthy to be told. 
Uh, my story probably won't be told past two generations, um, but man, in those two generations, I want to crush it. I want to affect my kids and my grandkids in such a way that compels them to live a life that, and, and all business is, is it compels a person to live a life in a community that makes the community better, right? And so what I'm doing in my private life, it's eventually going to, to come out in my, in my public life. And that sounds like business, that's all. It sounds like being someone who's a part of a neighborhood. It sounds like you're, making, you're either making the city better, you're neutralizing it, which usually there are, no, there are very few of those people, or you're actually bringing it to a place uh, of entropy, which we don't want it to go there. And so the same thing would be true of your neighbor, right? Um, and all of us have those stories about our neighbors who seem to not care and then make the neighborhood worse. And so I think, uh, you know, like my goal is like how I raise up my four kids to figure out how to tell excellent personal stories and then I have now multiplied myself into the community in a, in a greater way than I can do by myself, right? And so if my, if my three boys and a girl, they end up building something or being a part of building something that has a great story, then that's my kind of piece to society that I'm hoping to leave behind. And then if they can multiply themselves, right? So I, I truly take it back to a personal thing. I take it back to, you know, how I'm waking up in the morning and how I'm going to bed and everything I do in between that is unrelated to work. Like, am I doing things with intentionality? Am I, am I building out myself to last? And if I can do that, if I can endure personally, then my concepts can endure, right? And, and my ideas and my creativity and my innovation will continue and it will endure. And I'll have support from my friends and my family around me who believe in me, who are pushing me forward and pushing me on and say, man, everything, you do like you can you can get it done you go 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 rather than if people are telling bad personal stories their support is low and the buy-in is low and they look at themselves in the mirror and not at business but in their personal life and say man you're you're fake um you're not doing a real thing here and then that that what happens is that bleeds i think it bleeds into then the public it, which is a business and then there's less buy-in in their own like in their own self-identity about like can i do i will i there's no belief there. And so then those things sputter out. So you can create and produce some great things, but if you don't continue on and endure in that personal story, I think then your public story ends up going away. And what we need, we need generations of people who start telling great stories in their twenties and even in their teens with intentionality. And then those people have become sages in the community, right? And they're telling great stories all the way through their sixties and seventies raising up that next generation of people and saying like, hey, you have what it takes, like you can do it. This is what a great story looks like. And, you know, to think about all the places that could be in your city that are 50 years old, right? And they have like an ancient of days type of feel. And it's like, man, that place has always been trustworthy. That place has always been good. It's, you know, it's not just served me, it served my father before me, you know, whether it be food business or textile business or vehicle business, we're looking for those types of stories on a local level for sure. Oh, man. So much to unpack there. Okay, so, well, authenticity is a big part of this. Um, and, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, we've seen examples. We've seen some within our, uh, um, within our, our story at Schedulefly, we've seen some examples of folks lately that um, were telling a story that, you know, has been, unfortunately revealed as maybe not being 100% authentic or, you know, there were some dark undertones or negative undertones of that story that, um, you know, have come to light. And it's really unfortunate. I think that you have to be careful, don't you, when you're 
really good at telling a story. And sometimes we see this in business and personal relationships and politics or whatever in any, any domain you see, you find folks that, that are really, really good at telling a story and they're so good that they get a lot of publicity and press and attention. The challenge with that is if you're not authentic and you're really good at that, you're, you're running a very serious risk that at some point, and it's probably inevitable over some period of time that you you'll be exposed as not being authentic. And then your story is just torn to shreds and all the people that followed your story and cared about your story are hurt. Um, so you, you have to be, I think really careful um, at making sure that if you're, telling a story effectively and, and you you mentioned this you referenced you've got to be authentic at all at all more so than anything have an authentic story and not be as good at telling it is better than having a telling a great story and not being authentic right yeah absolutely absolutely people people pick up on that they, yeah. they you can't fool them but so long like eventually it comes out now in your world it's really it's really it's very true because particularly nowadays, and I say you're well, really in any business, but I mean, any business with a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, social media has become so powerful and so strong. It's just lever now. And if you're telling an inauthentic story, then one person, you know, within your world can say, wait a minute, that's not a true story. That's BS. Here's what my experience was. And even if it's exaggerated or not even true, all of a sudden this thing can just blow up really fast and get out from under you. Yeah, I think too, you know, that there's this other, there's this other piece with, you know, so we're on an Instagram, social media, Facebook, everything's fast, everything's now, opinions are everywhere, and, and which is, which is, has done so much good, and also can be a tool to do, to do bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in, uh, there's, there's also this component of, of staying true and honest to yourself, even while telling your story, because there will always be... A, the greater, you know, as a leader, as someone who's on any type of platform, there's always going to be people kind of ready to, to shoot at you. And the truth is like, and I give them and you give them and we all give them right to do so because like yeah. we are all very imperfect. We all make mistakes as yeah. much as my wife and kids will tell you that, like anyone who I work with will tell you that. So I think like being willing to face that type of stuff, being honest about mistakes uh, being, you know, authenticity is truly, I think like there's some sense of like self-awareness is, is wrapped up. That's, that's another way to say authentic, you know, someone authentic, are they self-aware? Right. And I think now it's more important than ever, in addition to intentionally telling your story of strength, your story of gift, your story of talent, your story of service, your story of product, your story of a brand that lasts, all these things equally important is your story of weakness your story of vulnerability, your story of transparency. You know, one of the questions I ask my kids often, like, how can I be a better dad? Like, what is it that you need from wow. me? Like you're growing, you know, most of my 16 year old used to be nine, right? My youngest is nine right now. And like when, she, when, when he was nine versus now 16, he's seeing glaring weaknesses in me that he never saw. So I started out very young, around seven years old, asking all my kids, that was an intentional age, like, hey, I always need you to be honest with me. I'm always gonna be a person who's like, you know, rah, rah, leading, going, doing, being, building. And I need you to know I am weak 
and I miss it, right? And so I need you to speak into my life in those moments. And I provoke those, my kids to say like, is there something? I provoke my wife, is there something? And so that's authentic to me. Like a true sense of authenticity is not just about strength, which is what we show in social media. When's the last time you looked on District Donuts on Instagram and saw an awful donut? Yeah. Like we don't build ugly donuts for pictures. We build beautiful donuts for pictures. Mm-hmm. And, but the truth is like that, if, if we're not careful, that way of thinking invades who we are as individuals. And then as a result, uh, we have this, well, everything's always on, right? And no, it's not always on. Man, I have tremendous amount of weakness inside of me. I have two business partners because I'm awful in certain ways. Mm. <laughs> I need their strengths yeah. to cover my weaknesses, right? And so, you know, truly living in an environment where you're accepting both your strengths and your weaknesses and then being honest about both of them, to me, is what authenticity is all about. And once again, when someone calls me out and says, you're wrong, I have the opportunity to either be humble and embrace that and apologize and hope that that will cover, that will be covered as opposed to, you know, violently exposed. And by covered, I just mean like, it's okay. Uh, I forgive you. And let's move on and work together. And this is what community and relationship is all about. And oh, your, your business is still gonna be here like right across the street from mine. Well, we might as well figure out ways to be humble with one another and work through it. And yeah, we have great gifts in the city as well that we're offering to the community, but we have other pieces that we don't like to expose. But if we can figure out how to work through that stuff, this is how families stay together, right? This is how business owners stay intact. This is how employees stick around because we have self-awareness and we're willing to face both our strengths and our vulnerabilities, be honest, transparent, and expose both of them, not because someone else is coming after it necessarily, but because we're being just authentically ourselves and saying like, I'm like you, man. I miss it all the time. Help me. I don't know how to lead right now. I'm leading you, but it's hard and I don't know what to do. Can you tell me what you need? Like, that, that's what, I think that's what this generation, like I think about the younger generation coming up behind me, I'm in my late thirties, that's what they're looking for, right? I, I do believe that, whether they can articulate that or not, they're looking for people who are just gonna be honest and say, things are broken around you. We don't have it all together, we need help, right? So that, that's a big goal of authenticity for me. Wow, man, first of all, I love the example with the kids. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna start doing that, man. That's brilliant. Um, watch out. Sometimes I've walked away like, Oh man. Yeah. But you know, it's good. Like I, I find myself a lot of times I, cause I do worry about that. Like, uh, I have a daughter and two boys and I, you know, my middle son, he's like my mini me and he look, you know, I can just tell he looks at me like this heroic guy. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm going to let you down. Like there's no doubt about it. So I try to, I try to be really, you know, good about going, especially when I'm, screw up which i do often say hey man like i didn't handle that right i was yeah. tired i got you know like i lost whatever it was like i think you got to be just set the right bar i want to ask you something do you want to get into um we, we don't have to get deep into this but your background is in the faith i'm curious how much of that is um fostered the, the way you look at things now or yeah or, 100%. Brought up or like wh- where does this come from because you have a very clear, intentional, well thought, uh, self-aware way of approaching this. And you, it's very clear that it's um, not something you take lightly. It's clear that you, uh, you think about this a lot. You live it 
and think about it daily, obviously, from the way you articulate that. Where does this all come from? Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it comes from my, how I was raised, obviously. I mean, we can point to every strength and weakness in some level and just say, like, what, it, what did that look like when you were a kid, right? Um, so I think that um, for me, my, my mom and dad raised me in an environment that was very, you know, open communication about, uh, you know, the, the weakness of, and frailty of humanity, let's just yeah. call it. Um, the, uh, another word uh, interchangeably, the brokenness of humanity. That was a very comfortable conversation for me growing up. Um, I grew up in a, a Christian church environment that, um, you know, it, a part of my faith was and is the reality that things are imperfect. And there is this constant perpetuity of that imperfection that is not changing in this life. It's just not. Um, so yeah, and then in my, in my 20s, I was a pastor in a local church and that's really all I wanted to do the rest of my life. Um, and then, you know, for a few different reasons at, at around 30, I was like, man, I'm either gonna plant a church in the city of New Orleans or I'm gonna start a business. And uh, it just seemed at the time that the business was the path to go. And I, I don't, you know, there's, what I fundamentally believe in it through my faith is like, and, and not even just faith. I mean, this is just every day. Like integrity is just about integration. And, and that's, that's kind of the idea behind like to have one's integrity is to be fully integrated. Integrated with what, who you are is what you say, is what you believe, is how you act, is how you respond. These things stay intact, right? And so I think that whether I'm in business or whether I'm a pastor in a church or whether I'm a father or whether I'm a husband or whether I'm a friend or whether I'm a neighbor, it doesn't matter. All of this, all of these items of my life should be fully integrated. And if they're not, and it looks like they come undone, we get into trouble and we try to, you know, it's like we, we, we undo our personal life and this is not a stronghold anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we undo our family life. And this is not a stronghold anymore. I think there's a temptation for people who are entrepreneurs um, to kind of relinquish those types of uh, beliefs and buy in that things should be fully integrated. And character is a is a backbone. Like, what is your who are you as a person? Um, and I think a lot of people are formed by the culture around them as well, rather than then looking internal, looking at maybe their history, where they've come from, they, they look into the current and, and this is what pop culture is. And so we, we look around and we see what's most influential today. Let me do that because then I'll be most accepted. For me, I've just chosen to not, um, to bend into deeply um, how culture tells me I should be living my story. And that's difficult, man. Um, my faith is not one that's popular today. I can just tell you that to be a Christian is, uh, in my work environment is, is not a popular thing and that's okay. Like I'm okay with that. At one point in our culture's history, it was, uh, at one point it may be again. Um, but for, for me, and this is all I can do is influence the things that I have influence over, which are not all of the people around me, but it truly is just, man, this is the one person I have relative control over to stay integrated as much as possible with all of the things that that I am outside of work, inside of work, inside of my faith, and all of those things should look similarly. Um, so I, I think that if, if humans would see 
you know, for me as a pastor, I think, man, my goal was as a pastor to make the community a better place to be and to, in, 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 in ways that I could, help people uh, live a life that, that brought um, ultimate joy, fulfillment to God and also to themselves as a result. And I think, man, that's the same thing I get to do in business every day. Um, it's not overt about God or anything like that, but it's overt about like creating safe climates for people to work inside of um, and to be a part of something special and unique, have, giving them a sense of, to the degree that I can, a sense of mission and purpose and passion, um, buying into their gifts and talents. Um, and that's me just being fully integrated. Like, because I'm, I'm just that person, I believe in those things. Therefore, I should do these things at work. I should do these things at home. I should do these things at church. Um, so those things really do matter deeply for me, for sure. Mm, man, that's some deep stuff, dude. I love that. Um, the, uh, you have to have a lot of personal strength and fortitude to um, not let the culture bleed into informing you and, and steering you. We're... we're um, we're very programmable, right? By our, by our parents, by our friends, by the culture. And you have to be careful what you let program you. You know, you're, you're the average of the, what is it like? You're the average of the five closest people around you, they say, or something like that. Um, so who you surround your, yourself with. But the big thing that you're talk, you've talked about, I think the, uh, one of the things that I've learned, it's taken me a long time, I'm 46 now, but it's become very important to me to be self-aware. You've mentioned that. And I think that that's, you can say you're self-aware or convince yourself that you're self-aware, or you can really be self-aware. And it, I think I probably would have said I was forever, but I don't think I really was until the last, you know, eight or 10 years or somewhere around there where I started to learn to do some of the things you're talking about, which is, first of all, uh, you have to get rid of your ego. I mean, ego is an very powerful driver and it prevents us from admitting our flaws a lot of times publicly or personally with our family or with our colleagues or um, wherever the case may be. Um, but when you learn to get rid of that and realize it's okay if I mess up or if my business mess ups, messes up, the big thing is to recognize that, own it, be accountable um, and just go, yeah, I'm not perfect. And I messed up and here's what we're going to do about it. And it's, it, it's, really important now, particularly in the business world, because this gets back to what I was referencing is like, we've seen, um, I mean, we've seen some, some well-known people that have just, man, it's almost like the uh, Icarus story where they, they good, good at telling a story, flew too close to the sun and then, you know, and uh, the challenge nowadays is you really have to be self-aware and authentic and real because if not, uh, for better or worse, that the social media in the culture, they will just tear you apart. You mentioned like there's always people wanting to shoot arrows at you. And that's true. If, if you have any success, there's always going to be people for whatever their reason is. They're, they're unhappy with their life. They're jealous. They, they just look at things very differently than you do, whatever it is. Like, oh, well, you're a Christian. Then that must mean that you're, you know, I don't like, boom. You know, like you got, you're going to have people coming after you all the time. But I think what you're saying this is how I feel is that if, as long as you're authentic and real, you've got this foundation that you can stand on and you can weather this, this kind of stuff. Um, because there's no underlying lie or inaccuracy or untruth that people can use to just cut that foundation out from under you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think these are the drivers for future success. If I put my, 
myself in the shoes of any entrepreneur um, or anyone who's building, uh, you're, you don't want to stop. Like you just, you don't want to stop. At least for me, I don't want to stop. I, we have six districts. We have a coffee roastery. We have a commissary kitchen and we have a, a plant-based restaurant. And, you know, we have nine operations in six years or almost seven years now. And it's like, I'm not like, what does satisfied feel like? What does content feel like? Cause I'm not, that's, you know, like, and it's not about money. It's not about spaces. It's just like, I mean, there's something inside of entrepreneurs. It's just like, well, there's gotta be something else. There's gotta be more. There's gotta be more. That um, is a beautiful thing, but unleashed without being tempered is a dangerous, dangerous characteristic to have. And I think like that's so important for, for leaders to get a hold of and grasp to be able to like be comfortable in one's own skin and to say, I was telling my wife this morning, I, I had an engagement last night, uh, probably about 12 people. And afterward, there was about four of us. Um, these are just, these are not, this is not a work related environment, uh, like my personal profession. There's four of us. And what I recognize quickly and just, you know, you read the room man, I'm not like these guys. They're much better than me in a lot of ways. And I, I was telling her this morning, I was like, you know, like I, I have learned and I am learning to be very comfortable with that. And I can't build what they built. I can't go as fast as they go. I can't go as slow as they go. I can't be who they are. They are who they are. And there are things they probably sized, sized me up and said, I'm not like that guy. Not in a negative way, but like, man, that guy's got some stuff I don't have. And how do they respond from that? Do they go and then say, well, then I got to get better at that. I got to be great at that. I got to be more than, you know, who I am in that area. And I think like leaders and entrepreneurs, there's a tendency to want to like, dude, we got to go. We got to grow. And there's never this cap of good enough. Uh, and we're never content both with the operations or the things we lead and with ourselves or our family members or those around us. Usually entrepreneurs are targeted as people who say like, you know, families and in business and friends and family you know, they'll say like, it's just never good enough for you, is it? It's it, it, like, you always want more, don't you? And you, you never are satisfied with what we bring to the table. It's more about criticism and critique and correction than it is about celebration with you, isn't it? And often that's true of us. And I think like we have to be super careful and if we're not self-aware, we're doing things out of arrogance, pride and ego and for the approval of other people. We're looking around the room and saying like, man, if I could do this and make that person look back at me and be like, or oh, man, if I could be in that room next time and I had a story that kind of sounded a little bit better. So what do I need to do to go get that story, right? So building a great story, you can do it from one of two ways. You can build it because you want to tell a great story. So that story reflects back on you, or you can tell a great story because that story invites other people into it and it serves them well. And so most entrepreneurs, we are just built in such a way that we want to tell stories. Yes, for the good of other people, but man, there's this glaring component in most of us. That's like, but I want that story to reflect about me. And I'm, I'm just like, I am persuading myself. Like I think about this consistently. I'm persuading myself, Aaron, they're all going to forget about you. But, yeah, <laughs> all of them. And I said it earlier and I really think about this two generations deep and my name is done mm. i mean seriously no there no one's writing a book about me right no one's recording me i mean schedule flies recording me but no one's recording me instead <laughs> like um saying like dude we got to get this guy man this guy's making a, a an international difference not so 
So then it, it would serve me well to get inside of the britches that I actually wear and say, okay, man, who are you? Who are you? Not who are they and not how you want to reflect in their eyes, but how can you go build something that actually serves people? And when you're gone, it just served people well and you did what you could with, what you, with the giftings and talents that you had. So um, big, big, big lesson for me. I'm continuing to learn, uh, but that is fundamentally important for me as an entrepreneur. I mean, think about how, that, how, that, how I handle that stuff in my partnership. Two, three headstrong guys who think they know everything mm-hmm. and think they know how to build everything the right way and think they understand how everything works, not only in business, but in the world, right? And how do you stay in relationship with those guys? Uh, I look at him and he's not like me and he's not like me. I got to get better. I got to get better versus like, no, man, I want to fan your flame. Go be you. You are a baller in this area. You are the best in this area. And I'm going to go be me. No jealousy, no strife, no contention of like my, I need to be as, and you need to be as, and all those types of things. That's for our partnership. That's been extremely helpful as well. Man. I love that. Um, The, it's interesting. I mean, you tell a story. It's funny that you were a pastor because I almost feel like you you have like a, it's almost like listening to a, a sermon about certain topics, man. And you, you do it so well. It's really just fascinating to listen to how you're able to crystallize um, the way you look at things. And that's not that's not very common, man. So I, I applaud the way that you're able to think about that and articulate that. You know, the um, it's interesting. I've never really thought about the two generations thing. I like that as well because that's really true. I mean, and I think about that too. As I said, I've got three kids. I think about my kids and then one day grandkids. And yeah, after that, like nobody's is. <laughs> and that's okay. Like I'm, I don't really, that's fine. Like all that matters are the people that are closest to us. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about um, one of the things I'm thinking about right now that I'm I'm not overly concerned, but I'm definitely concerned and I'm curious about. Um, I I don't watch the news a lot because I think that there's just, it's just always negative and it just kind of is depressing. Uh, I try to stay aware of just the big things that are happening. And I'm hearing more and more about these like, you know, you guys are in New Orleans, you're in a major metropolitan, pedestrian, densely, fairly densely uh, packed city. And um, we already had a touch of this this summer and we're starting to see this out in, I guess, Portland and Seattle. And you're seeing these cities where there's just chaos, anger, damage, businesses getting just destroyed, burning, looting, like, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but I have to ask, like, you know, because we clearly have a very, very contentious election coming up. We have, I mean, people are just teetering on the edge of just, you know, and I worry that if it goes a certain way, things could get really crazy quickly. Do y'all, how do you, I mean, do you even, can you prepare for that? Do you think about that? Do you, I mean, like, what do you do? Is that, I mean, you, you've got all these locations. You got five there and six in New Orleans with seed, and then you got a place out in Vegas. You're certainly not there in person, but you're there right there. And and uh, I just I don't know. Like, how do you think about that as a business owner, as a small business owner, particularly as a restaurant owner? So you're you got you're clearly in a you know your areas that are have a lot of traffic and all that. Like, what do you do about that? 
Yeah. You know, the balance of um, seeing into the future and, uh, and then not taking for granted today. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's the tension that, that you're, you know, you're wrestling with. And so as entrepreneurs, as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm always looking into the future and, and that future is inclusive of everything you just um, spoke to. And, and, and then someone who's uh, trying to be also very, very grounded, I look to only today. And I recognize that, you know, this could be my last day, right? And so what's the, what's the point of, this is, this is an extreme statement. What's the point of that? I'll just live here today. And this is an extreme statement. All I'm focusing on is out there. So for us, for me, like having this balance of both, I think is, is the necessary piece. Is it concerning and alarming what's going on in our culture? Um, and, and let's just, you know, at a larger scale in 20, just everything in 2020, I mean, business, like, I don't know, six months, from now um you know i don't think we will be but we could be bankrupt like that's just true if if it if we go on a lockdown and no one comes in our buildings and the government doesn't step in step in to help on a financial level so i could live in six months from now and just become fearful and become you know just i mean oh my gosh what's going to happen and i can't um I, I as much as you you know we need to live in the future and have vision for what is um, the problem I think with humanity is you can't just see the good. You often and maybe many times build for the worst in your mentality, right? When, when it looks as it looks today. So I've been challenging myself more so during this season to not live in the future. Uh, and I think that tension requires sometimes you live more in the future and sometimes you live less. Uh, sometimes you're more grounded. You know, if I'm, if, if I'm working through difficulties in my marriage, I can tell you I'm talking less about what it's going to be like in 30 years when we've hit 50 years of marriage. I'm talking about like, hey, today, today, yeah. today I'm going to forgive. Uh, today I'm going to ask uh, for her to forgive me. Right. And so I'm, and I feel like our society is in that kind of circumstance more than more than a celebratory environment of like, you know, I'm getting married on marriage day and I'm like, man, this is the girl I'm going to be with the rest of my life. This is amazing. This is not wedding day. This is like 17 years deep into a marriage, way too many kids running around the house. We're homeschooling all of them. We don't know when they're going back to school because of online learning and everything with COVID. Our business is in a tough time. Like that, that type of marriage situation is very different than wedding day. And I think we're in that, the, the one I just spelled out with all the difficulties. So what I do is I stay in my moment. I stay grounded right now. And I stay focused on like, hey, there are so many variables that I cannot control. Let me just focus on the few that I can. And so I internalize, I like, man, I really just get a little bit insulated and say like, okay, let's just manage everything we can manage, focus on these things with intensity, uh, care for our people with intensity, recognizing that they're stepping into our doors as employees with all of this stuff on their brain. And so what do we need to do? What can we do that speaks into that situation? Cause that is under my influence. I can't control the, the many, many, many other things outside of those four walls, but I can control what's in here. Right. And so we, we want to bear down on that type of stuff. And then hopefully we get to the other side and it's more of a celebratory environment. And, and obviously now you're looking long-term, you know, so for business growth, it just changes during this time, right? You start looking at you and say, man, my vision's back. I can see again. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to be. 
But I think it's necessary at times, and, and this is where I am, where I just say, man, like, okay, you have, you have uh, like real influence in like just a couple areas. Focus hard, go hard at those things right there. Sometimes like when, if I'm going through a tough time in my home, it's like to my friends, I, I just can't hang out right now as much, right? Like I know we used to go out once a month, dude, that it's valuable time right now. Other engagements, like that's an example of what I do when it becomes necessary to insulate a bit. Not that I turn everything off, but I look to care for those things that I can care for uh, to ensure its health long-term. So the same thing I think is true for me with business right now. Well, yeah, what you're talking about is leaning into the problems too, is like, for example, like if you're having an issue, you do, a lot of people will run from it. You know, they'll go out more or whatever because it's just hard to deal with that. Uh, but, you know, I love the way you think because at the end of the day, uh, all, we, all we can control is what's happening right now, this moment. Um, it's easy to fall into the trap of worrying and worrying. But, you know, it seems to me there's like one of the things I, I, I've really learned to think about the last couple of years is almost like every decision we make or every thought we have or every concern we have, uh, every positive feeling we have, it's either coming like if you really strip back the layers of the onion, it's going into, it's either from love or from fear, right? Yeah. Like that's it. That's what it's all coming from. And you, you, you got to find some balance. Like you have to have enough fear just to be, keep yourself grounded, deal with like reality is what it is. Like COVID is not just going to go disappear. Like it's not, but there, but then if you live in that world and you spend your whole, all the time worrying that you, you, I mean, the amount of anxiety we have in our culture and our society right now is mind blowing. And that's all from, from fear. Right. And then there's the love piece, which is, you know, we can, uh, we can only do what we can do. We got, we live in this moment and we try to focus on what we can control and, and how we can positively impact our own life, the lives of those around us, our friends, our family. Um, and, uh, and just, it, there's finding that right, but love, fear, light, dark, whatever, you know, um, but those are common themes. I mean, we see them in everything from, I mean, this is what Star Wars is, right? It's the light side and the dark side and finding balance and all this kind of stuff. But you know, it's, it's a really, those are really important themes and they're true themes. And, and this, but this gets back to being self-aware and, and recognizing that and then living through that. The, um, uh, I think too, like that, you know, so when COVID happened, you either um, go into another way of maybe looking at those two words would be you go into an abundance mentality or a scarcity mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I think an abundance mentality through COVID looks a lot like how are we going to survive and let's do whatever it takes, right? And it doesn't look like, you know, you're going to expand and grow necessarily. Some businesses for sure, that's the case. You can. For us, it was not the way. You know, when people are not outside, they're not coming to buy donut sliders and coffee. Or, or plant-based food. Um, so I think it's important, you know, when, when difficulty and hardship comes, this is, you know, often the measure of a person is when that hardship comes. Um, and for us, like, and I know many others in our, in our community, but like you start going, you go, like it's time to go. And yeah, you're right. Like often in marriages, it's like, you'll go drink more. You know, a lot, what that looks like here is you just kind of shudder and you just sit and you say, man, and then you blame the polit political environment, you blame the neighborhood, and you blame the this and you blame the that. Instead, what you do is you take into your hand, uh, and we talked about this on the podcast, like, whoa, we're gonna, we're gonna go out of business. We have to change now. 
and we don't have a month to change. We don't have three weeks to change. It has to be today. Like, so there's no like sadness that's going to be able to overcome me. There's no depression that is going to overcome me. Maybe later that'll happen. But like right now we can't do that. We have to survive, right? And you go into this abundance mentality of like, we can, we will, we must. People's jobs depend on it. This neighborhood depends on it. Like all the people who have been visiting district for all of these years, they want to come back to some sense of normalcy. They want to know that life is going to continue to be lived in the way in which it was. And so for business owners right now, it's so important that we do focus on rather than fearing what the future will bring. And like, man, it's never going to be the same. And because of this, and I know that, and all the reasons why we're not going to be successful, we have to put them away and we have to focus only on the things. I mean, really, truly, like, I, yes, the reality is there for those things to happen. But if I focus on those things, what is that going to do for me? It's going to tell me a bad story about my future. But if I focus on like, okay, what is within the realm of my influence that I can grasp today, pivot, change and make new, right? And so we, we built out our commissary kitchen in the beginning of COVID. And man, I tell you what, this is, this is abundance mentality now and into the future. Dude, our model is going to be so much better after COVID is over, once our revenues increase, the profitability inside of our model is going to be drastically different and better because of the hardship that we endured and we had a mentality of man even when we get kicked we are getting back up and we are fighting we're going to fight hard through that process and then on the other side you can actually be better versus again a personal life story would be like man i'm just going to you know give myself into all of the things that cover me in shame and guilt and sadness and depression and frustration. Those are real things. And I walk, I've walked with many people through those types of things. So I don't want to dismiss that, but like during hardship, it is necessary for us as business owners, as leaders to say, man, I, yes, I feel all of those things and I want to cave in all of those ways, but I have people counting on me. I, the future is of, of our community in some regard, right? That this business would still be here to serve it is counting on me, the employees that are part of it. So like, man, get out of bed and, and go harder, go faster, because you have a short sprint of suffering and make that suffering like, make it worth it, right? To where on the other side of that suffering, the other side of that hardship, you actually gained something. You grew in a tremendous way versus you go through a short sprint of suffering. And if on the other side, you're depleted and you're worse, then of course you look back with bitterness and you say, it was his fault. Man, yeah. I'm hoping to look back through this process and say like, it sounds weird, but I'm grateful for the difficulty that I went through because it grew me as a person, it grew me as a man, it grew me as a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, a citizen in my community. It made me better, right? And if we have, if we have businesses all over the nation who are thinking uh, in that vein, like, yeah, we're gonna go through hardship and it's gonna be awful and people will go bankrupt. But those are the same people that will get back up and they'll build something new, right? They'll come out of the ashes and they'll say, man, I can do it again. As opposed to like, let me just go kind of, you know, do something else now, I guess, and work for someone else. When they have the spirit of an entrepreneur in them and they're like, man, I can go and do this thing. Those people who look at it head on, they're gonna help, help their community and their neighborhood kind of go to that next level after that hardship is over, which it will end, right? That's important. It will end. This hardship that we're in the middle of right now, November is going to come and November is going to go and we're going to have another election in 2024.
It's just the reality. And there's going to be another pandemic. There's going to be another something that comes along, but there will be a celebration time after this. And so like, let's position ourselves mentally. Let's position ourselves physically. Let's position ourselves with our planning to get out of this season of time and then get ready to boost into the next celebratory season. Cause it's coming at some point. It's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, you have to have the mentality. I think of, uh, not wanting hardships, but embracing that, that hardships will come and, and leveraging those as a tool, as you said, to make you better, which is um, something I've really thought a lot about over the last, well, recently, and just over the, I mean, just throughout the years of, of this business, I mean, there's, there's all these ups and downs and things like that. But um, have you ever, uh, are you familiar with the, uh, there's an author named Nassim Taleb, wrote a book called The Black Swan. He also wrote a book called Anti-Fragile. I know the black swan. I, I've not read it, but I've heard of it. I, I don't know the author's name though. Yeah. He, well, anti-fragile is a great concept. Uh, very briefly, like he, he coined that term, but he talks about how, you know, everything, every object, this coffee cup, um, anything you have is either, it's either fragile, which means if I drop this on the, you know, on the pavement right here, it's going to break. It's fragile. Uh, or it's robust, like this remote I've got right here. If I drop it, you know, it, it probably won't break, but it, it's not going to get better. Then there's something that's anti-fragile. What's anti-fragile is what you're talking about, which is something that benefits from harm, mm -hmm. something that uh, em embraces a short, acute stressor and gets better because of it. Now, that might be like when I go in a little bit and, and you know, go lift weights, it's going to stress my muscles, but then it's going to make them better and stronger or whatever. And that's true with, I mean, so you can be as a person, you can, you can be fragile uh, or you can be um, robust, meaning that like, we're just going to, you know, just in, endure and try to get through it. Or we're going to go, okay, this sucks. This is bad. But how do we take this really tough situation and use it as an opportunity to get better. And if we do that, we're anti-fragile, which means we're, we're always going to be getting better and better and growing from these, these stressors or these shocks or these hard, unpredictable things that are going to come upon us. And they only, I mean, it's, what's predictable is that unpredictable stuff is going to happen. We don't know when, we don't know how bad it's going to be, but we know it's going to happen, um, which is really kind of, I mean, that's how you're responding to what happens if things go awry after, you know, whatever it is, man, I don't know. Like I can't, you know, it's, it's, I think about the serenity prayer, right? You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Acceptance, courage, wisdom. Those are great things to have and uh, being able to recognize those is really important. So there's things that we just can't change. We don't we can't change that COVID happened, but we can, we can accept it and we can, you know, have the, the wisdom to know the difference between those things and try to build from that. That's what y'all have done. So that's awesome about the commissary kitchen. And um, tell me, tell, let's talk a little bit more about that. So what y'all have done and how that's going to change your business, you know, for the next however many years you're running it. Yeah. I mean, one, one simple way, you know, like here locally, just if we have five locations, just, um, and we had 150 uh, people, a part of the team prior to um, COVID roughly. And, now we, we, it's about 80 or so now. And if you're having, you know, 120 people's hands on product versus now six, the mm. odds of that product food cost, obviously, is going to be better with six experienced tenured 
focused, dialed in, this is all we do versus my line cook is going to prep and then coming up and then going to prep and then coming up and oh, I forgot about this, right? So like just the practicality of like when you have that many people with hands on food um, and you, you dilute that number to such a small amount, the food cost has gotten significantly better. Um, shockingly better. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't have, I, I'm surprised. I'm always asking myself, like, how? Because we're not changing our ingredients. We're buying the same things we ever, you know, we've always bought in the past. And we, we haven't changed some fundamental things that we, you know, are near and dear for us. Like, hey, we can't move off of these things during COVID. You know, it'd be easy to say, like, let's get cheaper product or cheaper. But we just said no. And so what we have found is that that's tremendously helpful. Obviously, so in district, we make all of our we're breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so we make the dough from scratch. We make the pastry cream. We make the chocolate cream cookies. We make the buns. We patty the burgers. We make the jalapenos and pickles. And so all of those things require a lot of people, right? Spread out across all of our different locations. And so this is just obvious math. So we've consolidated all of it. And then we're just, we have a refrigerated van now. We're just pitching it to all of those locations. So we just have logistics going on now. Um, which has gone pretty smooth. And there's a great guy who's handling and, and uh, working on that every single day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's kind of like one of those things that we, we, we toyed with uh, in 2018, because we knew our size would allow for some cost reduction, uh, just, just based on the things I just talked about because of our, you know, the amount of units we have, um, but we just didn't execute on it. And then when, when hardship comes, you, you know, you ask yourself the same question in different ways. And and when it's about extinction or survival, you answer the question in different ways. Um, and so that's, that's what we've seen is that we've been forced to answer questions in different ways and, and it has made sense ultimately. So um, as a result, you know, I mean, into the future, I don't know what the future holds for us in terms of growth. We certainly wanna grow outside of Louisiana, um, but we have proven to ourselves like due to commissary model, when you have a lot of units, it crushes. Um, and it's, and it's a lot of fun to get the product across the entire company every day. And it looks the same, right? That's a lot of fun. Um, and if, if one thing is wrong, they're all wrong. Uh, but if, if one thing is right, they're all right. And the odds of them being all right are much greater now with just a few people working on that product. So we're still building everything from scratch. And then, you know, we're just moving it from essentially from one kitchen to another kitchen, um, which just works out really nicely for us. Mm, very cool. Okay. Um, all right, man. Well, what else? Is there anything else? I want to respect your time. We've been at it for about an hour. Um, anything else that uh, you had on your mind today or anything you want to rap about? Um, no, man. I think, I think we've talked super philosophically. Yeah, uh, I love this stuff, man. I could do this all day. Great. Um, I mean, I, I love, obviously, all this stuff meets, meets the earth. And, uh, and when it meets the earth, it has to make sense. And so, you know, most of my job is, is having it make sense. I love rapping about this stuff too. Uh, at the end of the day, I work with uh, a lot of operators who, uh, if I go too long or too hard about this stuff, they're like, Hey dude, we still have to make donuts. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, that's something I'm, I, I try to be very, very self-aware of, um, that, you know, uh, leaders in, in our company and any organization at the end of the day, man, they want to, they want to, they have their feet in the dirt. And uh, they don't they don't live in the air all the time or much of the time. And so, you know, to respect that. So, yeah, I'm appreciative that we've been able to work work through some of that stuff, because it's always fun for me to kind of be able to uh, move through that. And and, uh, and that's the heartbeat of, of who we are, really. Like we, we see things 
through that through that lens, and then I think uh, long term makes us healthy and last um, because we, we care about we care about the things that are, you know, people might say are philosophical, but like man, those things are like flesh and blood. Um, why you do what you do is flesh and blood. Um, if, if you're able to endure, is flesh and blood. Like this is the stuff that matters. You can't make donuts if you don't have a person of integrity who can lead those people to make donuts, right? Um, so no, man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your time. I don't have anything else. I'm appreciative to be able to talk through this stuff. And, and I've said it to you a bunch, man. I just really appreciate y'all's platform and the service that you provide. Um, it's been a lot of fun just sticking with you guys. And, and I, I plan on continuing to do so. So thank you for inviting me on. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Well, for better or worse, we're pretty authentic. I mean, you know, it's, it's actually funny because when we, when we first started, we, uh, we had like, we wanted to make ourselves look bigger than we were. Like I had business cards and it said like executive vice, something crazy. Like I don't have business cards now. We don't have any of that. But it was like, well, we got to look like we can handle, you know, we're big and all this stuff. And, and as we peeled the layers of that off over time yeah. and just said, man, we are who we are. Like if, if we will get phone calls and uh, I won't go on all day about our business because that's not what this is about. But I just find it interesting in the context of authenticity, like we'll get phone calls which I, I get, I mean, um, and uh, that people will say, well, how do you, uh, you know, we're looking for a scheduling and communication platform. Like, how are you better than your competitors? Or they'll list a couple of our competitors. I don't know. Like, I don't know if we are, maybe for you, we're not. Like, here's what we are. Here's what we do. Yeah. Here's what we care. In other words, here's our story. Yeah. And if our story resonates, it's going to resonate really well. And you're probably going to love it. If it doesn't resonate, you know what? That's okay because there's other people telling their story and that's what we want, right? Like you want to serve the people that believe in your story, that care about your story, that relate to your story, whose story, you know, your story resonates with them because they're going to be with you. Like, you know, you said the people that are in there multiple times, like the, the regulars and people that keep coming back, I mean, that story is always going to resonate. And there's a lot of people that your story is not going to resonate with and you're never going to make them happy. And that's okay. Right. And that's one of the important lessons I've learned in business is just being willing to be like, okay, I'm putting my, you know, we are putting our yeah. flag in the ground. Here's who we are, yeah. you know, flaws, uh, open the kimono. Like, here's who we are. Like, we're not corporate at schedule fly. We're not formal. Like, I mean, you know, we're not gonna, you know, we are who we are. We have five of us. We always have, that's it. Like, you know, and, and uh, we're not going to be inauthentic in the way we communicate with y'all. We're going to, you know, I mean, we're literally going to write thank you cards that say y'all on them. Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, if, you know, like we're not formal and, but that's, a, you know, we take what we do seriously. We take our product seriously. We take the way we treat people seriously. And then we don't take anything else real seriously because we just want to enjoy our lives and have fun. But anyway, sorry for that. I didn't mean to go. Oh, that's great, man. Uh, I think that's an important thing in business, man. It's one of the things like you talk about your kids. It's one of the things I really am trying to, or, and will continue to try to um, debate our kids. It's like, just be who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't try to be something that you're not because people will see through it and, or you're not going to enjoy it. Like don't, it's really interesting in corporate America, how you put on this, like, I mean, I laugh, we laugh, me and my buddies do that are all entrepreneurs. We laugh about all the time. It's like corporate speak. And like people become this different person when they go to their job. And it's like, 
wait a minute, would you talk that way to me if we were sitting out having a beer? No, like, why do you do that? And you kind of have to in big corporate America, but hopefully you can be a part of a business. That's why we love who we serve so much. It's like, it's not this scripted, like robotic stuff. Like you got to execute and do things well, but you also need to be authentic and people really, uh, the people that like that will find that they'll find the people telling that story and they'll be your, your customer for life. If you're authentic and you stick with it. I believe. Yeah. yeah, I agree, man. Very good. I love that. That's, that's <laughs> a great mentality. Send box, man. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, Hey, what's, let, well, let me see your shirt. Is that a, is that one of your, uh, is that uh, no, it's not, it's actually not, it's not a shirt. It's a, a buddy of mine. It's his band. Um, oh, it's, cool. it, yeah, it's not a district shirt though. What's his band? Uh, Red Fam was the name of it. Yeah, so which was short for Redemption Family. Nice, dude. Can yeah. I get some of it? Where can I find their stuff? Is it on? Yeah, it's on iTunes. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's everywhere else. I only do iTunes, but yeah, Redemption Family would you can you can find it there. Just dude who actually used to work for us uh, on the bar for a while, which is pretty cool. So. Okay, so here's the deal. Now I need some of your. I need a shirt. I'll, I'll, I'll buy one, but I need something because see, when I come to these things now, this is what I'm really enjoying about these zooms is I can see y'all. And I, if I had one of your shirts or a hat, I'd wear it. See, I got my Garland shirt. This is my, our friends in Raleigh, Chidi Kumar and uh, her crew. And they're awesome. But I would have had a district one. Yeah. So if, I you, if I send you some more gear, man, can I convince you to send me a shirt or something? Let's swap, dude. Let's swap some, let's swap right. some up. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get the addresses going online. What size do you wear? Large. Yeah, it's, I literally wear a different customer shirt basically every day now. Like, that's all I have. Yeah, I'll definitely get some out to you, man. All right, man. This is fun. I appreciate yeah. it. I enjoy it. And I think, I, I hope that, uh, um, I hope we're, I hope we're collectively telling good stories because um, that is important. And uh, we like to share the stories of the folks we serve. We think y'all are awesome. There's so many good ones out there. I would literally do this yeah. like, Eight hours a day, five days a week, 24-7, 365 if I could. But appreciate it a lot. Always, Aaron. Always learn a lot from you. Always get inspired by you. And uh, just thank you, man. Thanks for time. Thanks for what you're doing with your family first, uh, with your business, with the community. And, uh, and then, and, you know, sharing that story any way you can in platforms like this. Really appreciate it, man. I know a lot of other people do as well. Cool. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate the invite. All right. See you. All right. Bye.